0: today on the scott thompson show on 900 chml all right uh the roslyn retirement residence has uh, had its license revoked uh obviously during the wake of COVID 19 as we are into week number 14 i had to actually look um it is tuesday right uh, week number 14 and of course uh, what we've heard and, and and what has been going on over the last 14 weeks in uh, in long-term care nursing homes and such uh, obviously is uh, ground zero for this pandemic and uh, as time goes by we will certainly see more changes uh, being made but what does it mean when a license actually gets revoked let's bring in graham webb executive director advocacy center for the elderly and is with us now graham thank you for the time. Hope you're doing well. Yes, I am. Thank you, Scott. So, Graham, what happens when a license gets revoked? What does that mean?
1: Well, it means that the operator, which had been authorized to conduct the business of a retirement home under the legislation, the Retirement Homes Act, has, is no longer authorized to carry on that business. And so uh, it means that they would um, be required by law to um, uh, take steps to, to close the retirement home business. That's what we're expecting.
0: So uh, what happens to actual ownership of that residence once this happens?
1: Well, this doesn't affect the ownership of the residence, except that it may prompt a change in ownership. The, uh, the owner and operator would still continue to own the real estate. They're the, they have the proprietary interest in it uh things they could do is they could choose to uh sell the residence to the purchaser who might then be able to obtain a license to carry on the business of a retirement home uh another thing they could do is to uh uh change the nature of the business because uh you, you know you can carry on residential accommodation that is not a retirement home uh, provided that the majority of the residents are not uh, over age 65, uh, or that uh, you're not providing uh, care services, and so it's possible that in some cases for a retirement home operator to uh, do something to the way the business is operated uh, to take it outside of the operation of the Retirement Homes Act. And finally, uh, you know, the other thing that could happen is is that the the operator could seek to uh, uh, close the retirement home, but in doing that, uh, the operator is still a residential landlord. And the tenants are still residential tenants that have the right of all other tenants, including the right to continue to occupy uh, their premises. And so the operator would have to go through a legal process to try to evict the tenants if that's what the operator is intending to do, but I, I think probably in this situation we're along a, a long ways from that uh, uh, from that happening. I just don't know. I'm not. I have no firsthand knowledge of what's happening in the home, but it would be unusual for evictions to proceed right away. Uh, but as it stands now,
0: and as a retirement home, they have no control over the operation. What does that mean for
1: the residents? Well there I note that there was a, a management order uh made on May sixteenth, twenty twenty. Uh May fifteenth, pardon me. I am hoping that a management company has been uh placed to actually manage their resident manage their residence on behalf of the uh on behalf of the owner I don't know if that has actually happened or not because it's fairly fast-breaking news and I haven't got confirmation from the RHRA. But in the meantime, I expect that the tenants are still going to be living in the Rosslyn residence. And not only that, the operator has the legal right to appeal uh, the license revocation to a tribunal.
0: Uh,
1: Is it true? There's a lot of ground to cover yeah absolutely.
0: Uh, we're hearing more and more that it's there's this it's the same sort of bad actors that keep appearing uh, uh, whenever there's a situation like this. Is there a common thread here? Are a lot of these owners the same is Is, is there something we can learn from that?
1: Well, I can't comment on this particular situation, uh, but I can say uh, that there are owners of retirement homes and long-term care homes that have a long history of non-compliance with regulatory oversight in Ontario and so there are situations where we have seen um, owners uh, run afoul of the law for example with long-term care homes or retirement homes or both uh, and then uh, come back and uh, and run afoul again uh, in another in another facility or you know it may be uh, that at one time they were a long-term care home operator or now a retirement operator or vice versa so yes, um, compare, there, are, there are repeat offenders
0: compare private operators to uh to, to public off op- uh, operators what's the ratio of that and uh, do these sort of non-compliance issues happen in more than one uh, more one than the other
1: well, I can't give you a ratio. I don't have any empirical data on that to offer. But uh, you know, I have uh, uh, been with the Advocacy Center for the Elderly since May 1995, so I have uh, more than 25 years of experience in dealing with retirement homes and long-term care homes. And our overall uh, uh, our, our ov- overall observation is that the more of the severe problems uh, generally come from from privately run facilities. Uh, There are many, many, many excellent uh, privately owned facilities, uh, but there are also some rogue facilities or bad actors. And more often than not, when we find one that has gone completely off the rail, it is more likely than not a for-profit, a a small for-profit operator. Uh, Why is that? Well, for a few reasons. Um, One of it can be due to lack of uh, management expertise and training. Um, You know, large privately owned uh, retirement homes are very well run. They invest a lot of resources into things like uh, compliance and uh, systems and measures that really go beyond what's needed for mere compliance to uh, uh, protect residents from risk of harm and all coincidentally and not, not just coincidentally but to protect the owners from legal liabilities. Uh, sometimes we find uh, other operators who don't invest the same resources into uh, management and training and um, may I say sometimes operate a bit off flying off the seat of their pants you know we've seen i've I've seen uh, retirement homes burn down where the owner and operator has no prior experience in operating a retirement home and uh you know I was quite surprised when things when things uh, didn't happen the way that they were supposed to happen and so uh it, it's more common for the small for for a a rogue operator to be a privately owned enterprise than a publicly funded one.
0: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, Are the private enterprises not more expensive? And, well, I'll let you answer that first.
1: No, not necessarily. Mm. Um, Because you would think if they're more
0: expensive and private that there would be more of uh, of the facilities and the personnel that's needed, but not necessarily the case you're saying.
1: No, not there, there's really a wide range of um, price points for retirement home accommodation. There are many excellent operators that offer really high range accommodation, excellent services and facilities, and sometimes at a very high cost as well. And you know, when you're hiring trained staff and actually providing services that costs money. And if the operator happens to be a not-for-profit operator, uh, you know, not-for-profit doesn't mean cheap. But uh, there are also operators who um, will uh, operate more at the bottom end of the market and will cut some corners. And uh, these might be private operators that are having difficulty uh, managing. So obviously this is something... Go ahead and sorry Scott I just meant to say that none of this reflects particularly on the Rosslyn home. I have no personal or professional knowledge of this particular facility and right. nothing I'm saying is 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 with respect to this particular facility
0: so uh, obviously with your experience here, Graham, uh, and everybody's looking for the answer is it public versus private is it a mixture of the bo- of the both uh, again, if we're licensing these facilities, um, uh, should obviously there be some sort of, whether this is national, provincial, I guess really the call is now for some sort of national guideline, regulations, minimum standard uh, for these homes. Is, is, will that help? Is thats is that what is needed
1: here? I don't think we need national standards. I think we, we do very well with Made in Ontario standards. I think that this is something that falls under provincial regulation, and I think it's uh, within the scope of the government of Ontario to regulate it. Um, one of the problems is the underfunding of actual long-term care homes, which is a, a different form of accommodation. But there are many people who uh, need admission to long-term care, but uh, really uh, are put on long wait lists. And so they need somewhere to go, and they may end up going to retirement homes when really what they need is a a higher form of accommodation that has some government funding, because long-term care homes are are, uh, uh, care facilities that are funded for health purposes, whereas retirement homes generally don't receive any funding. So part of the problem is overflow from long-term care into retirement homes. Another problem is uh, lack of funding generally for... uh, retirement home tenants. You know, there are uh, people who uh, 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 do require retirement home care uh, that just simply can't afford it on the pension income. You know, if you look what, uh, there are um, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of older adults in Ontario who have the old age security pension, the uh, guaranteed income supplement, and Uh, maybe very small pension incomes. And that doesn't go very far in terms of purchasing retirement home accommodation. You know, I don't think that you can afford to live in a a really top quality retirement home based on federal income security programs. And these people need financial assistance for for the tenants, not so much for the operators. Hmm. So where do you
0: see this going, Graham? I mean, it, it certainly has, uh, it appears like it's hit a tipping point. We've been talking about this for an awfully long time. We've known about this for an awfully long time. Is, is COVID-19 a turning point here for this discussion?
1: It may be. It may be. Time will tell. You know, we've seen crisis in long-term care before. We have seen crisis in, what amounts to retirement home care long before retirement homes were regulated. And looking at the history of retirement homes, we see horrid conditions uh, that were documented extensively in the 1970s. It's not a new problem. It's one that's been in the public eye for a long time, but always gets uh, pushed to the back burner. And so I think it really depends on the public, Scott, your listeners, our listeners here, to uh, think about uh, what questions they're going to ask their uh, MPPs and what pressure will they put on the government between elections and how will they vote at elections in order to uh, obtain more funding for things like home care for uh more and better long term care homes and for uh and also for resources for people needing retirement homes we're at the brink of uh, the government asking today um with Bill 175, this before the legislature, um, to have a new category of care, which is really an unlicensed, unregulated uh, residential congregate care, which is, uh, we think, a mistake. We don't think we need more unregulated care. We think we need more funding for people who require residential care.
0: Graham Webb has been with us, Executive Director of the Advocacy Center for the Elderly, talking about uh, retirement residencies and what happens when licenses are revoked. Graham, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Good luck with this.
1: Thank you, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900-CHML.